You are now tuned in to episode... 67. 67 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. <laughs> Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, what's happening? Uh, just another cold day today, but yeah. we're getting warmer weather. Yep, that's right. No, uh, golly, you know, I know we kind of touched on it last time, but man, is it just freaking crazy times out there, guys. And, you know, I, I, we can't stress enough, uh, you know, be safe out there. Uh, you know, spend time outdoors, but be safe. Yep. Uh, Take the precautions. Abide by the six-foot rule. Uh, good thing to have along is some sanitizer wipes or, you know, some Germex or something like that. Some hand sanitizer along. If you got to stop at a gas station on the way, don't be afraid to wipe down the handle of the pump before you do it. And uh, My mom gave me a, a Ziploc baggie full of uh, rubber gloves yeah, to, well, for, for doing No, it ain't it's, crazy. It ain't right. crazy. I know if you would have told me a month ago that we'd be doing this stuff, I would have told you you were crazy and that's nuts. But we got to keep ourselves safe and everybody else safe. And, you know, you don't want to bring it home with you. Yep, absolutely. So our thoughts and prayers are for, uh, you know, everyone's safety, uh, you know, to our listeners, whatever. Be safe, uh, be smart, but, uh, you know, still get outside and enjoy the outdoors. But, uh, no, we are coming to you again with another Killer Cool uh, interview. We've got Mason Propst of Propst Professional Angling. Try to say that four <laughs> times fast. I dare you. But, uh, no, we got uh, Mason on today. Uh, Mason, um, if you recognize that last name, uh, is the grandson of the, uh, what some people actually consider the greatest uh, walleye fisherman of all time, Bob Prop Sr. Uh, you know, that's Mason's grandpa. His dad, a uh, very accomplished guide and uh, tournament angler also. So uh, I think Mason's going to have some killer cool stories from uh, life on the road chasing the tournament scene, you know, some guiding, whatever. Uh yeah, you're not going to question the knowledge in that family. So That's for sure. Looking forward to it. You bet. Let's get over to him. And we're here today with Mason Propst of Propst Professional Angling. Mason, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good here. You bet. Uh, Great. You know, Mason, uh, we always open up our shows with a couple off-the-wall questions, and uh, this one's going to be no different. So uh, I got two questions for you quick here. Uh, do you call it tater tot casserole or tater tot hot dish? Ooh, I go with casserole. You go with casserole, Ooh. okay. I do, I do go with casserole. Okay, and here's a follow-up question for you. Are you a green okay. beans or corn guy? You know, I was. we always did green beans, but I just started doing the corn, and I like that a lot. Yeah, that's that's my jam. Oh, you yeah. put cheese on top? Oh, yeah, you know it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome at my house anytime. There we go. <laughs> Well, Mason, uh, you know, it, it's no secret. Uh, anyone who's logging on to listen to this episode uh, sees that last name, and uh, that's a last name that carries a little bit of weight in the fishing industry. Uh, you know, with your grandpa, Bob Propst Sr., your dad, Bob Propst Jr., uh, tell us what it was like growing up in that fishing family. Yeah, for sure. Um, all I could say is um, I, to be a fisherman, I'm, I'm thankful to uh, have grown up with those two um, my life's always been all about fishing uh ever since i was a young boy um my grandpa started you know he's from omaha and he never he never really did walleye fish until he got older he uh did a little carp fishing and stuff but he had a family member up in minnesota and he'd go around and he kind of got into the fishing and kept doing it and he decided uh one day he thought he could make a living like that and kind of started fishing wherever he could find water and walleyes instantly became an attraction for him and um met my grandma he moved her out to uh 
to Western Nebraska and McConaughey, Lake McConaughey, and that's where the whole guide service started. They had uh, my aunt and my dad, who my dad started guiding at a very young age. Uh, heard stories of him taking people out when he was like 12, 13. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's kind of how I was brought up, although times changed and I couldn't do it myself, but I spent time out on the water with them. Um, my grandpa kind of left the the tournament scene in the later 90s, right around when I was born. And he became more focused on the guiding. And my dad was still doing the tournaments and guiding. So I spent a lot of my younger time going out on the pontoon with my grandpa, uh, especially up here in uh, South Dakota on Oahe and Sharp. Um, I did that for as long as I can remember. He, uh, he actually had a pontoon that he named after me, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> um, that got me out there a lot. But then uh, as I got a little bit older, six, seven, I started to tour with my dad then, and I got to experience the tournament scenes and go all over the country, and that was just an absolutely incredible experience I'm so lucky for. Now, what would you do when your dad uh, would take off in the morning? Uh, you just kind of sit around the ramp and BS with people? or Yeah, when uh, when I was young and I was going to the tournaments, um, we'd try to get a hotel room as close to launch as we could. Um, luckily, we knew, uh, like, Julie, there was a lady who worked there. Her name was Julie Meister, and uh, sometimes I would hang out with her or... Uh, I do. I have. They spent a lot of time with the boys at the service trailers. Uh, Jay Anderson from Mercury. Uh, he he. I spent a lot of time with him, and he got me to do a lot of things. It was great times. Awesome. Probably learned a lot just hanging around with the service guys too. I suppose. Oh, uh, absolutely. I got to see them. You know, help everyone and do all that, and I got to joke around and play games with them all day, and it was just a great time. Absolutely. What what was some of your uh, favorite spots that you would go with your dad? So, some of my favorite places would have to be Escanaba, Michigan is always going to be up there. Um, that's a place where, you know, we my dad did well there. He never finished the deal. I feel like there was three tournaments, uh, an FLW and two PWTs that he actually had the lead at them. And all in all, his day two never goes well there for some reason, but he always does. He finishes pretty good, but I mean, the fish up there are absolutely insane. You catch a lot of five to eight pounders, you know, and that's always been one of my top places. Um, Dryden, Ontario, that was one of the cooler places we had been uh, running through, you know, it's like cane and stuff like that, and you'd, you'd be running, you'd feel like you're in Florida down there. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Now, when your dad would have a good finish, uh, did he take you out for ice cream? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he, he, he'd celebrate at the hotel, have some beers, and I'd have to watch him and his friends all night, but it was good times. Heck yeah. Did he travel? Did you guys travel with other anglers, kind of have a crew that always went to yeah, kind of we, the same spots? We definitely did. Um, I don't know if you guys know the boys down at Algona, Iowa, Bill Hall, um, Bobby Heford was a part of that. We traveled with them. Um, I don't know if you know Tyler Hansen from, he works at Shields yep. in Sioux Falls now. Yep. He uh, actually traveled a lot with us. He was a he was a good luck charm for my dad too. The first tournament he co was he signed up as a co angler. 
and pre-fish with my dad. My dad actually won, which was the PWT Super Pro out there in Chamberlain. Um, but that was kind of our crew. A um, lot of good times with those guys. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Now, uh, from all those times on the road, you got any just wild, crazy stories or just something really funny that, that you can think of right off the top of your head? Oh, absolutely. I've got a couple of them. Um, one, I'll start off. I'll start off with one that uh, was it, actually there's two of them come from the same location. That was in uh, Houghton, Hancock, Michigan, which is up there in the Upper Peninsula. And uh, I'll start off with the pre-fish, the pre-fishing story. So um, this was I was probably eight, nine years old and the Houghton, Hancock, Michigan and the UP is on the I believe it's called the Kenaway water system. It's kind of on the, in between the peninsula, uh, the upper peninsula of uh, Lake Superior's on both sides of it. So it's kind of just like a little system to go through. And uh, for some reason, yeah, I'm sure it's from like the cargo boats or whatever they have come through there. Their docks are like 13, 14 foot high. And, so we came in from it was the last day of prefish. It was an absolute horrible prefish too. I don't know if we caught any walleyes that were tournament fish. And uh, my dad, my dad was using this boat ramp that just had the most insanely high docks you've ever seen. So he pulls in there and has me hold on to this dock, and I'm looking at it, and you know I'm eight nine years old, I'm short, and I can't hang on to it very well, but. So there I go. I'm standing on the bow of the boat. My feet are right next to the to the bow mount, and I'm hanging on to this thing. The only thing you can see if you were standing over on the other side of the dock is my fingers. I see uh, where this is going. <laughs> this is going good. So all of a sudden, the wind starts blowing, and I'm sitting there thinking, just hold on, hold on, hold on. And it's starting to blow hot, harder, and all of a sudden, the boat catches, and it starts moving out. And I'm going i'm going out and i'm about stretched out as possible finally it it just the boat releases and i'm hanging from the dock <laughs> and my dad walks up and he just grabs me by the arms and lifts me up over the dock and there goes the lund it's out it's floating out into the system and thankfully uh tj devoe and charlie moore who was actually the uh tournament director at the time come pulling in there and they see my dad's boat floating and me standing there on the dock and thankfully they picked up the boat and brought it in put it on the trailer but uh needless to say the next tournament i learned how to run the boat <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome yeah yep yep that was uh so that was just the start of it um then uh another good story comes from there too as well uh I said the, the prefish was horrible, and for some reason, when it's horrible, sometimes things just go right. Um, didn't go as good as it possibly could have went. Uh, my dad was running out day one, and something happened with his engine. He used a kicker, and he got out to the spot he wanted to try, and he caught one nine-pounder, and he had to come back, otherwise he was going to be late. Um, so that day, I was hanging out with the PWT staff, and he spent all night with Jay Anderson, the Mercury Tech, and I've I'd know Jay had known me since I was in diapers. So Jay asked me if I wanted to hang out with them the next day, and I was thinking, yeah, that's a good idea, you know, hang out with Jay and see what they do. And they had this golf cart, and they had me riding it, and 
they told me about a governor would make the go golf cart go faster. And I was, I was all gung ho about that. I wanted that golf cart to go fast. And Jay tells me, he goes, we're up on this hill and there's, there's a picnic shelter. And he goes, if you go take that as fast as you can and see if you can't get a little air going down the hill, I'll show you the, I'll take the governor off of it. <laughs> so I'm thinking about it and I'm like, okay, well, I'll do this. And I start going, all of a sudden, I, I hear Jay say something, you know, he's obviously joking with me, but they were letting me go to see if I'd do it, and I'm going to do it, and all of a sudden, I look over, and still going pedal to metal, and I smash right into a pole. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I mean, that was another good one. Um, that tournament ended up going well after that. Dad had the second biggest weight on day two and ended up getting, like, ninth or something like that, I think. Pete Harsh ended up winning the tournament. It was a cool time. Absolutely. Right on. No, that, you know, I, that, that's one thing I didn't really think about, but just the fact of, of you knowing all these people, you know, when you're the kid that's at the boat ramp and watching all these people come in like that, that's really got to be pretty amazing. Yeah. I've, I've always said that too. Uh, you know, I'm just incredibly blessed to watch all these great anglers. Uh, you know, like I said, Pete Harsh, I've watched Pete Harsh win. I've seen, uh, the great Ron Seeloff. I've seen him win a number of times. Uh, I've seen Ron's boat. I saw Ron's boat fall off the trailer one time in Holdridge uh, when he had, the, when Lund came back out with the, uh, I believe it was, it was the pro guide, the 20 foot pro guide tiller. Um, <laughs> that was quite an interesting experience, you know, just watching all these guys, Gary and Keith, you know, um, back then Chase was the new guy on tour and, he was doing really well and that was awesome too you know i just i got to see all those guys and i was just i was just a young and watching all this happen yeah yeah so it kind of inspired you then to want to stay after this whole fishing gig then absolutely absolutely the the first time i saw my dad raise the trophy i knew that that's i that's something i wanted to do so at some point in my life yeah absolutely now you now you do fish some tournaments now right I do. I do a lot of local stuff mainly. Um, Dad and I have been doing some of the MWCs. Um, we did uh, Platte, South Dakota, um, and then the two down at McConaughey. And they haven't gone as we'd hoped to, but it's a good time doing those. Um, I was hoping to do the NWT. It looks like the schedule's not going to work out this year for me. Um, I really would have liked to done it, just being in Chamberlain that place has a lot of history for my family and it would have been a fun time but there's definitely more tournaments out there that I could get to at some point right, right. now uh Mason you're doing some guiding out on the Missouri River now correct 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 and that's kind of our main focus um even my dad kind of left the tournament scene to do guiding and now it's my turn to help out and do a lot of guiding as well um we're in pure right now lake sharp is where we are fishing okay um what what are some of the tips and tactics uh, that you could give the listeners now uh you know this early spring bite for sure um right now this early spring bite it's we've been getting all of our fish on just a jig and a minnow and uh there's basically basically two areas that uh we've been fishing right now um higher up on sharp almost all the way to the dam uh, at the Stillen Basin. Um, there seems to be always a lot of resident fish there. I mean, they've got everything they need. There's deep water, you know, there's sand, there's rock, there's everything there. 
and uh you'll see a lot of locals and there it's a good time for that for that bite um it's 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 kind of a bumper boat spot um there's on a normal weekend if tomorrow wasn't windy there'd probably be 50 boats sitting there uh all right next to each other just dragging jigs around and trying to get a few to bite um what we've been doing is we like to focus a little bit lower uh, and we go to the sandbars down here um kind of below the farm island area um or across from it as well and uh we've been catching them on jigs the biggest key that i've seen between us and other people is um a lot of people when they're pitching their jigs are just they're fishing a little too fast and the biggest key for us this year has been to just slow it down and kind of kind of let it i don't know what am i trying to say I, let it uh kind of let it swing thing. behind the boat and really yeah. just slow it down i mean even when you're bringing her up i mean as slow as possible it seems like they've just been very lethargic and they like the slowness yeah huh i kind of uh, i was i was out at chamberlain a, mm-hmm. like a week ago or so and uh and it seemed like it was a real like light bite it you never yeah. really feel them really grab onto it you just kind of go to feel and there'd be a lot of weight right. on them and all, you just kind of lean into them there. right uh now you also uh do some fishing down on lake mcconaughey correct that's yes that is correct we uh we do a lot down there especially getting to be this time of year through you know june a little into july um my dad spends an awful lot of time down there uh, that's where he was born and raised uh, he loves home he's gotten me to love that place that place is absolutely phenomenal um there is big fish there and there's lots yeah that's that's a special place right there how do they like absolutely how do they set up compared to each other you know fish in the missouri can going over to lake mcconaughey or are they two complete different monsters in themselves you know they're 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 a lot different um mcconaughey is a big it's a big sand you know it's a big sand bowl basically i mean white sand all over the place beaches are white sand you know um a lot of a lot of what you're fishing is the sand there is a lot of underwater timber and stuff like that that in the summertime you troll over the tops of but uh they are definitely different um to say the least yeah you know this time of year uh you focus on the dam and then a little bit after that you start pulling spinners through the timber correct correct and yet you hit it right on the nail the dam this time of year is insane um you know i know they just shut it down due to the COVID-19. Was that real? I, I, I didn't know if that was an April Fool's I, joke or if that was real. You know what? I, I probably should have read a little more. I, I think that's real. I'm okay. pretty sure it's I, real. I, I, be, I believe it's real. Yep, no, um, I, I believe it's real. I would believe it's real because, I mean, I'm telling you, it's not – it wouldn't blow my mind to see 250 people standing on the rocks, maybe more a night. It's absolutely insane, and they're catching – uh, every cast, you have a legit chance to catch an eight to fifteen pounder. Wow. It, it's absolutely insane. 
Now, I know your grandpa, uh, I was reading an article about him last night, and uh, they said that when he was down there fishing McConaughey, that uh, they figure he caught over 510 plus pound walleyes. What's your biggest walleye out of McConaughey? Out of McConaughey, so two years ago, no, three years ago, that's kind of when I started going back down. I just kind of left college, and uh, I didn't really have a lot going on, so I decided to start following my dad down there, and he told me, he goes, you got to come down here. My biggest at the time was only right at, you know, 10 pounds. I'd caught a lot of nine pounders along the way up in Michigan and stuff like that. But I'd only broken 10 once at that point. So you got to come down here. So I went down there and uh, I actually had a bet with my stepdad. He bet me like 250 bucks that I wouldn't catch a fish over six pounds. And uh, I got there and first cast, I think I caught a seven or eight pounder and it was real slow. Um, they ended up catching like six fish that day, but every single one of them was over six pounds. But anyways, we're just vertical jigging out deep and all of a sudden I set the hook and it's a good one. And I know, I know it is. And it comes up and that one was 1102, I believe. Oh, wow. And, uh, my dad goes, well, there's still a lot of time left. He goes, he goes, if we stay out here, you'll probably get a bigger one drop down i'm not kidding you it was 15 seconds later i caught a 1204 and uh <laughs> that one's on the wall downstairs but back to back yep by an 11 and a 12 back to back 11 plus pounders oh what a day yeah. <laughs> absolutely buckets. insane yeah i think all the walleyes i've ever caught in my whole entire life combined might not get those two fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a place that if anyone wanted to go i wanted to go catch big fish especially in this area you know erie's a long ways away lake michigan's a long ways away you know relative nebraska's pretty close and there's is legitimate monsters there oh yeah i've I've actually had the privilege of fishing mcconaughey one time Uh, we went down the first weekend of september and uh we hit snow by valentine going down there and uh when we got down there uh they had just switched over to slabbing, uh, you know, later okay. in the year they start yep. uh, jerking them slabs. And uh, we did that, and uh, I think we caught a couple small walleyes. We didn't catch anything of, of any decent size, but we got into a couple wipers, and wow, wasn't that something? That The wipers there get monstrous. And um, I just want to touch on what you said, you know, McConaughey is one of those lakes, too, where you're either going to have, more than likely you're going to have, a banner day if you get into the fish and if you don't get into the fish mcconaughey can be absolutely brutal oh yeah yeah i, I believe that because uh our three days like i said we we caught i don't know maybe between three of us i don't know if maybe we caught three walleyes but we we caught i don't know five or six wipers and uh i think we caught one or two catfish <laughs> but uh yeah no it, it definitely you know driving down that far uh yeah i don't know it, it wasn't it wasn't as good as what we thought but there too we weren't going probably at the most ideal time where do you right, st- where right. do you stay down there at mcconaughey um so we actually have a lot of friends that still live there uh, my dad stays at you know his high school friend's house um a lot of people love to stay out at the lake though and it's just hard to get uh rooms there just because i mean you've got people coming to boat you've got people coming to fish because they i mean they know 
it's a world-class fishery it's it's hard i mean if you're wanting to stay at the lake you definitely need to book way out in advance right that you know vogel's lodge and lure up in lemoyne absolutely chad vogel's actually originally from our town really i yep. did not know that yep so that's when i went out there i actually stayed at chad's dad's place that, chad chad's dad has a place there but uh chad's brother tanner's good buddy of me and matt's okay now that you know and vogel's is a place that we stop at a lot you know um we like to launch over there on the lemoyne side um yep. so yeah i know that well yeah no uh when i was actually talking to tanner a while back about our uh uh fantasy fishing deal and i had said that you were in there and and he's like really i, th I think he knows chad and i said yeah i think he does <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah yep. absolutely absolutely yeah i did not know that that's that's pretty cool it's small world yeah, yeah it really small. is <laughs> <laughs> right now right. uh you know if somebody uh that's listening uh would like to get out and go fishing uh with uh you know you or your dad or whatever uh how what's the best way for them to get a hold of you you know um basically now we've we don't have a website anymore we switched everything over to facebook so if you look up Can't props professional the anglers there on facebook that's uh that's the best way to get to us um my dad's number is on there my number should be on there as well uh we have an instagram page as well it's at props professional anglers same thing um that are you know sending my dad bob props jr or myself a message on facebook and we can definitely get something worked out absolutely right um before we let you go mason uh you know obviously props you know you guys are known for walleye whatever but uh what are some of the other species that uh you go after when you're not walleye fishing or don't you well for the longest time i didn't i didn't really much think of anything else but uh these smallmouth here on oahe have got me quite interested <laughs> in uh they are there's some absolute giants here um just a couple of years ago we had the bassmaster elite series here um and the day before it, I actually caught a, a six pounder that they put on Bass Fan for the the preview of it. Yeah, the tournament didn't go as well as we were kind of hoping. The, the weights weren't quite where we were, but I'm telling you, there are some big smallmouth here. Yeah, absolutely. you and you marshaled in that, didn't you? I I did. I had uh, I have a good story from that actually. We want to hear uh, it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Oahe was a was a big place. Uh, big intimidating place for a lot of those guys i can say and those are some of the best fishermen in the world um day one i drew chris lane a Bassmaster classic champion awesome awesome guy yep. and uh we we they, we they launched out of the spring creek boat ramp up here on oahe and uh i'm not kidding you we hadn't gone 200 yards out from the mouth and we hit a wave and I'm sitting there in the passenger seat. I'm already, this is my first time on a bass boat. And I'm kind of a little freaked out. This thing's going fast. <laughs> the waves are big. And my neck kind of hurts because of the wind. And uh, all of a sudden, I watch Chris Lane's motor guide go straight up in the air. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and thankfully, Chris saw it, too. And, you know, he kind of, he slowed down the boat. And that, that bow mount came straight down and thankfully when he slowed down the boat it dumped it right off the front otherwise i think it probably would have hit me wow but, uh, needless to say my first 30 seconds in the bass boat were <laughs> quite interesting i was a little terrified for a little bit after that but uh it was a good time we we came back in jay anderson mercury guy got him going and uh 
we proceeded to have a good day. Right on. Who'd you have day two? Day two, I had Matt Heron from Alabama. And uh, Matt Matt was a great guy as well. He was, uh, he was definitely... He definitely liked Oahe, but he was definitely thinking this is a this is a very large place. The wind was howling, and uh, thankfully Matt had some spots right around uh, takeoff. I mean, it was we were delayed like two hours, right. I think, in the morning. Yeah, and uh, so Matt didn't want to make a run, long run, and I was pretty happy with that because I was still thinking of bow mounts <laughs> flying in my face. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kind of wishing you were in your grandpa's pontoon. (laughs) Right, I was. I was. I I heard that uh, Kevin Van Dam had saw my – I had a a Lund Tiller at the time, and Kevin Van Dam said he'd like to take that out on Oahe instead, but they wouldn't let him. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And you kind of got paired up with a couple of guys that – you know, Chris Lane does pretty good with small mouse at times, but Matt Heron is really known for his flipping and his pitching a jig and stuff like that. Right, right. It it, and, ha- it has to be pretty cool to be able to sit in a boat with those guys and see how they it was absolutely it was awesome, um, you know. And I got lucky. I got I got I got to do three days. Oh, did you? All right. All three of my guys cashed the check, so I was I think I was kind of a good luck for them. Who were you with on day three? Day three, I had Jeff Crete. Oh, all right. No, Crete. He's he's kind Jeff of a, the squirrel. One he's, of the, he's one of the coolest humans I've ever met in my life. He is a character. He is absolutely a character. He's hilarious. He's an absolute great time, and you know, he's well just, when he's, he's catching fish. I think when he's not catching fish, he can <laughs> he can kind of he, be he pretty was, grumpy. He and... was catching fish, but they just weren't quite as big as he wanted them to be. Right. Well, that's a that's something Scott and I really want to do is get out to one of the elite series events when they're in the area again one of these times and do right, the Marshall right. Thing. No, I would definitely recommend it. I mean, it was an absolute awesome time hanging out with some of those guys and just fun time well i I didn't realize that you had a had some bass knowledge now i kind of know why uh in the fantasy fishing uh you're kind of uh up at the top well he just picks well one of those guys classic but (laughs) what's that i i had a bad classic but yeah that one i wasn't really worried about yeah that one week you you were in first place after week one weren't you yeah, yep, I yeah. was. I, I kind of have a little method to that, actually. I've been doing the bass fantasy since I think I was a, since I follow started following Bassmaster, which was, gosh, I was probably a junior in high school, so 2012, 2013 area. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I've uh, kind of i I watch what guys do at lakes that are similar yep. to where they're fishing. And that's kind of how I do my picks. I actually, my sophomore year of college going into, I believe it was my sophomore year of college, uh, going into the Sturgeon Bay event, Angler of the Year, um, the one that Chris Zaldane won, I was actually in like eighth in the world. And uh, I picked a team that I should have went with. I think I would have won the thing, but I ended up going safe, and it it really ended up hurting me. I ended up finishing like twelfth, I think, in the world in that that year. Oofda! So I tell Scott all the time, just go with your gut, and the first people you pick, stick with them because that, that's that's how I do it now. Absolutely. Well, I would have had Rick Clun uh, first <laughs> first tournament of this year, so I'm glad I did change. But <laughs> you know, history there always. Yep. It was, uh, what's what's the smallmouth fishing like on McConaughey? Because there's a big tournament 
at the end of the year down there for like a national for one of the federations or something like that. Right. Right. They're, um, you know, the smallmouth fishing I heard, I've never done it down there. Um, but I've heard it's decent, you know, you're not going to see the five pounders that you see here at, up at Oahe or sharp, but, uh, I, there's a lot of three pounders in there. Um, as you get further to the west side of the lake, there is a lot of largemouth actually. Oh, really? Uh, by the river, and I've heard they get up to eight pounds. Wow! Oh, wow! I I can't confirm that I've never caught one there, but <laughs> I've heard it. Yeah. I've heard it from some pretty reliable sources. It is really pretty crazy uh, from the east side to the west side of McConaughey how much the terrain changes. I mean, you get over there to the west side, and you pertinier get into the Black Hills, and uh, right. you know you go over to the east side, and and uh, you know just rolling sand absolutely yeah it's uh it's quite the place 23 miles long and it changes it changes all the time yeah absolutely well mason uh i don't know unless you've got something else uh, that you want to quick throw in here uh we won't take any more of your time but we definitely appreciate you uh taking time to uh sit and chat with us and hopefully it's not the last time we get a chat with you absolutely absolutely there is a couple things i just wanted to throw in there um you know, if people do want to find their way out here to Lake Sharp, um, the one thing I want to remind people of is uh, just kind of pay attention. If you're going down lower, kind of pay attention to your surroundings. This this river is constantly changing. Um, if you got the bad river breaks or anything, I mean, you've got trees and stuff just tumbling out of that thing. And, you know, there's some low, shallow spots, especially along down along the sandbars. You know, you just kind of kind of keep your head on a swivel. Um, another thing is if you guys want to do some reading, um, lip rippers guide service, my buddy, Nick Harrington, uh, Chris Saylor actually out in Iowa out there contributes to, uh, they write some awesome articles. Um, Nick just did a whole bunch on the Missouri river system. If you want to give them a check out, that would definitely be something to read before you come. And, you know, if you want to get a hold of him, he's got his his number and stuff on there. I also do a little bit of work with him for him. So you can get a hold of him, me, my dad, any one of us, and we'll be happy to take you guys out. Awesome. Absolutely. I think they'd be in good hands. So oh, yeah, I, I sure hope so. You bet. Well, uh, Mason, we definitely appreciate you uh, swinging in. And like I said, uh, hopefully we either see you out on the water sometime or uh, we uh, get to interview you again here very soon. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much for having me. It was an awesome time. You Thanks, bet. man. See ya. See ya. There he goes, Mason Propst out there in Pierce, South Dakota. Crazy. Uh, you know, that's that's a freaking fishing family right there. It really is. And, and two fishing fa- fish factories, you know, you talk about Pierce, South Dakota, just all the fishing and outdoors opportunities that are out there. And then you go to Lake McConaughey too, bouncing back and forth from those two. You know, up in Pierre, you're going to get a lot of numbers and stuff like that. And then you go to McConaughey where he said it, you can get some giants. Oh, down yeah. There. Yeah. There's dingers down there. And I knew, I knew when I was talking to Mason setting up this interview, you know, we had to give that Nebraska some love because we got some, uh, you know, saddle bronc riding cowboys out there that uh, listen to our uh, show and the Cox Boys. So. Yeah. Give them something yep. when they're out there in the yep. vast prairie you area. Know, as Scott Mockentune says, you know, Nebraska. It's not for everybody. <laughs> we'll give them a little bit of love here on this show. That's so, right. Uh, no, yeah, well, I know I've said it probably 
four times already uh, in this in, uh, episode. But uh, we thank Mason for uh, dropping by and talking to us. It was it was a lot of fun. So yeah, if you're ever gonna get out, if you're gonna go out to pier and want to do some fishing, or you're gonna head out to Lake McConaughey, definitely give those guys a give them a, give them a shout and see if you can get in there with them. I would think that that would give you your best bet to catch some fish. <laughs> I'd, I'd say so. Yep. So, uh, no, uh, you know, with, with everything else, uh, going on in the world, uh, you know, me and Matt touched on it earlier, uh, uh, you know, with this coronavirus, uh, we're not, you know, we don't want to hammer at home on, uh, on these episodes because if, if you're on Facebook, if you're on TV, you're getting all you, hammered about it, right. Yeah. All you hear is, uh, about the coronavirus, but, uh, my brother kind of gave me this idea. He had, uh, kind of heard, uh, heard something like it on a different podcast and, uh, so he, he kind of gave me the idea. So we're going to run with it here. Um, you know, us, us fishermen, uh, you know, sometimes we have a, a tendency to uh, kind of exaggerate lengths and everything else. And, you know, with the social distancing deal of, uh, you know, having to keep six feet between us, I figured, you know, maybe not all fishermen actually understand what six feet is. So we're going to give you a couple other things that will kind of help you realize what six feet is. So I'm going to start off. Um six six foot uh is the equivalent to five and one eighths of a plano 3700 box and everybody everybody that has one of those so you know if you know five and seven eighths of those in between you and your fishing partner in the boat you're good so for good good measure if you have six of them in your boat set them out you know that's how far you you two got to stay away from each other and don't go into that guy's bubble yeah that's right stay out of his plano box area yep all right my first one is 18 4-inch Berkeley Pit Bosses, one of our favorite baits to use. Yeah, 18 4-inch Berkeley Pit Bosses. They make them in different sizes. They got the 3-inchers, and they have 5-inchers and stuff like that. But these are the regular Berkeley Pit Boss 4-inch models. You put 18 of those on the floor in between you two, you're good to go. You're good to go. Okay. Well, I can do I can do another one here. How about 51 crappie minnows? 51 crappie minnows. You go in and you get a couple scoops of minnows. You this set is the those. average size crappie minnow. I, I, I don't know exactly how I did my math on this, but I think I type in like. Hey, it sounds good to me. 1.3146754. I've never measured them. <laughs> how many people have ever measured a minnow? I, I don't know, but I, you know, them crappie minnows, you know, I know that a lot of people use the, the smaller minnows. And, and so I just was like, well, I think they're bigger than an inch, you know, they're under two inches, but you know, if, if you get a bunch of minnows and you set them nose to tail, just keep 51 between you and your buddy. <laughs> All right. My next one, one of the more popular electronics out there right now, just all around is the hummingbird, the hummingbird helix seven. Okay. It takes 6.8 Hummingbird Helix 7s. 6.8? Yep. Okay. To, uh, that's the equivalent the, of... The screens. The sc- well, yeah, the screens, the the unit itself. Oh, okay. Obviously, the, the display is 7 inches, but the unit itself is like 10.5 inches, so... Okay. I actually did some research on that. And yeah, that's a good job. That's a good job. During my break today, not right. like not right. during... Okay. You would never do that during working hours. That's right. Um, if you are in South Dakota or up in North Dakota and you get onto a mess of jumbo perch, I think you could safely say five and a half jumbo perch in between you and your buddy. Five and a half. So five and a half jumbo perch. What's the math on that then? What are you considering the jumbo perch? I would say about 13, 13, 13 right. plus inches on, on a jumbo. Yep. That's if, what if, I would you're, say. if you're catching 13 inch perch, 
and you got five and a half in between you and your buddy, yep. I'd say you're safe. Yep. I'd say so too. Don't drill closer than five and a half jumbo perch to me. I mean, that's the way everyone that's should live their life all the time. From now on, if you if we're ever out fishing and you get too close to me, you're going to get jumbo perch slapped. I think you're on to something there. <laughs> you're going to get stone cold sack tapped. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my sack. Okay. <laughs> my name, that's That should be in the federal get, regulations for COVID-19. No sack tapping. Okay. The next one. 2.5... So two and a half, I suppose you could say, or 2.5, 28 inch cold snap ice rods. You know what? That was actually on my list and I pulled, pulled it, it out off. and did, I, yep. I went the other way. All right. See, we're thinking alike. Two, what was it? 2.5, 28 two, inch. Two and a half. Okay. I actually did uh, the cold snap toothpicks, the smaller version, not the XLs. Okay. 13 of those. If, if you happen to be in a boat or somewhere with 13 cold snap toothpicks, you can set 13 in between you and your buddy, and that is a safe distance. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Don't come too close. Five and a half inches on the on the smaller ones, seven and a half on the bigger ones, if anyone was really wanting to do the math. <laughs> My next one, 4.8 Keeper Iowa Bass. 4.8. So they got to be 15 inches, like when you're fishing a tournament. They got to be 15 inches, so you got to have 4.8 of them to get to six feet of bass. Okay. 4.4.8. Yep. Okay. Well, if if you're out bass fishing, and and you sense your buddy getting a little close, don't be afraid to set a couple bass down on the ground and say, "Hey, watch your distance." <laughs> but make sure that they're still in Keep good shape. Keep your bass away from you, me because you That's better let them go. Me. That's right. Okay, last one for me, 15 and one-eighths beer cans or, or soda cans if you're under the age of 21. Okay. Or, you know, me and Matt, but 15 and one-eighths. Uh, golly, I, I did not realize this. I, I was thinking that them soda cans were taller, but I, they're like well, That's because four. you used to drink the tall boy, so you could say, Yeah. I, I've only had five of them when it's the equivalent. Chuggers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> only had two beers they were 40s but (laughs) see everybody's always smart and they're always like well that's 12 ounces i know that 12 ounces but do you know how tall the can is you know what why did coors light and keystone and uh you know michelob golden ultra or whatever it is why did they decide that they had to switch up them cans because you know tall skinny cans you know they really messed up the koozie game and i know yeah it just i don't know people's hands must got smaller so they that went makes that sense. Well. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like you're drinking as much or something. I suppose right. Can't wrap your hand around. It. I don't like having being able to my fingers touch if I'm drinking out of something. I want you know just a good grip on it. Like you said, the koozie. Yeah. Messed up the whole koozie game. Way yep. to go, Michelob Ultra. You got one more six foot. I've uh, got measurement. one more, one more, and I think I guessed on this one. I think I'm right on this one. Six of Scott's Crocs. Nice. I think <laughs> Were you wear a size twelve. I think yeah. yeah All right, yeah, six I'm, of those things. Six. So you six. Can, you bring six of your Crocs along next time we're in the boat, and you, I'm gonna line them up in between us. You stay out of the Croc zone. I've got multiple pairs of Crocs, so I mean we could go out to the garage right now, which is right up the stairs from where we're sitting, and we could do a little measuring. But uh, nail them onto a two by four, a six foot two by four, and yep, a I'm new a measuring stick. I'm also going to take a stab in the dark you got an and say, mention? "Yeah, I, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say, at six foot, uh, you would be safe to uh, do uh, mm, one Craig Oiler. 
One Craig Oiler. One Craig Oiler. Yep. I think I think Craig. I bet you Craig's six one. He's but you know, better safe than sorry. You know, if you're, right. gonna, I mean, just add an extra. More distance, the better. Yeah. The if, further you can get away, the better. Yeah, it would. I mean, Craig should probably do, uh, you know, a public service and just go around in downtown Rapid City and just kind of lay on the ground and make sure that right. everyone's spacing out properly. I suppose you know, without shoes on and since no hair. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Hey, you ain't got no hair neither. <laughs> no, I know. That's why I can say that. I can always say tell people. I can make fun of people's hair, or I can comment on people's hair because I don't have none. Okay. Okay. Well, I did have an honorable mention. Okay. Yeah, we want to hear it. It's kind of bashing the Southwest Minnesota fishermen. I was going to say a limit of Minnesota, Southwest Minnesota walleyes. <laughs> <laughs> so that'd be six and twelve inches. So no, I'm not gonna say that. Wow. I did say it, uh, but that's mean. I'm just kidding. You're from I, there, that, that's I know. Like, that's why I can say it again. That's See, treason. I can say it. I can say it. Wow, six. I know. You know who you are that are listening to that think that twelve inches are keeper walleyes. So a limit of Southwest Minnesota walleyes, and oh. they're not keepers. They're not keepers. <laughs> wow. Keep your distance. Yeah, Matt is taking shots here at the end of episode. Uh, what did we say? Sixty-seven. 67? I don't know how you keep forgetting that. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know anything that's 67. That's not a familiar number to me. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, the great so-and-so right. wore that on his football jersey. It's 67. I don't know. Just 67. No. Well. No, it was. It's. it's Crazy times? Yeah. I don't know. So that's good. That's just, if you ever need a guide, go back to all those and say, okay, six foot here. I mean, you can buy, go out and buy a six foot fishing rod or something like that. But that's just this not as cool as being able to think of i like that it was it made us think it's not as cool as 51 crappie minnows i'll tell you 51 crappie minnows so (laughs) next time you're yep no i'm uh, gonna say that next time i go to the bait shop if they say how many you want one scoop or two scoops i'm gonna say no i want six feet (laughs) (laughs) six feet feet (laughs) what's it gonna take for me to get six feet of walleye minnows no, well, uh, looking forward, we do have some good weather coming down the pipe. Uh, I kind of figured that this was going to get crazy. Uh, we were able to avoid the snow in our neck of the woods. Right. I think there were some other spots that did get some snow, but uh, no, uh, unless you got something, Matt. Uh, hey, we're in April. Yep, we are into April. Uh, you, hey, hold it, hold it. Do you have any good April Fool's jokes played on you? On me. No. Did you play any April Fool's jokes? You know, I really didn't play any April Fool's jokes. I used to a lot, but I just, I didn't know if I wanted to kid people or not right now. Everything you read, that's the problem is you get on social media on on April 1st and you don't know what's true true or not because that's almost every day on there. I did see that JBS in Worthington, where my dad works, had a bomb threat called in. So I thought, holy buckets, dad, you took... April Fool's a little bit too too far this time, man. Oh man, <laughs> he wasn't working though. Really? Well, thank God. Right, but freaking crazy. And it, it ended up coming back. It was just a false thing or something like that. Yeah. But I, the first thing I thought of was like, Joe, now's not the time to be playing no April Fool's joke, especially that you win. <laughs> that is not a joke, Joe. <laughs> oh man. Well, hopefully we can Did get you? out on the. No, no, I didn't have much of anything. Uh. No, I didn't have much of anything. My, I will say Grady came over and uh, he he was, uh, you know, they had put that deal on there that all the kids in Iowa had to redo their current grade, yeah. and uh, he he thought that that was a pretty good one because I I imagine he got taken by somebody right <laughs> for, for that morning, but uh, no. 
yeah, was that was about it. Usually, I always do enjoy that April April Fool's Day at school. Yeah, playing jokes on the kids when they come to class and be like, "All right, thirty laps today," and they're all like, "What?" Yeah, it's just like, "Ah, oh, no, <laughs> no." You get them early in the morning. You know, you, towards the afternoon, they've had twenty five well, yeah, jokes but played on. I was them, gonna but. say, I get about fifty April Fool's jokes usually played on me. So. Yeah, I'm sure. So, well, I guess that is it. Episode 67 is in the books. Hey, we've got a killer cool episode coming up. Yes, this we is do. one of the only times that I've uh, really been able to say, hey, we've got another episode coming up uh, here. Uh, if you're listening to this on Monday morning, uh, we will be interviewing Johnny Candle, uh, spectacular walleye fisherman. So two walleye episodes in a row because I know all you walleye guys are probably getting sick of all the bass talk, but we've got Johnny Candle coming down the pipe. So uh, be sure to stick around till next week and uh, we will see you on episode 68. Episode 68. See ya.